everybody. We are live. Um, this is Thursday, August 10th. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is the Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast. Uh, my name is Mike Mills uh, with Mike Mills Mortgage and Finance. Um, so today, uh, we're going to talk a little consumer education. Uh, part of uh, our job as mortgage professionals and in the real estate business, uh, because we do deal in a industry that's a little bit... Um, it's not complicated necessarily, but it certainly changes regularly and, and has, you know, uh, has things that, uh, that adjust. So the regular, the average consumer doesn't always know exactly what's going on in the entire process. So our job is to make sure they're educated and they know how the entire system works. So that way they feel comfortable, comfortable when they're ready to buy a home and, uh, bringing, uh, coming along to join me on this ride today is, uh, Mr. Brian view. Uh, hello, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate so uh, there's your your fanfare. Uh, so Brian is the uh, president and COO of uh, Finlocker, um, which is a uh, well. You know what? I'll let you explain what it is because I'm sure I'll r run about a bunch of different ways and and tear it up. So why don't you, Brian, tell us tell us what you guys do? Yeah, thanks thanks again, Mike, for for having me on. I'm a big fan of uh, of your podcast and love to learn from you and your guests. So uh, it's a pleasure cool. to be here. Well, it's and nice to have one. <laughs> always. I have my own podcast, as you know, and I yes, joke, yeah, we were talking about that too, as well. I always uh, joke with my uh, guests that uh, they should be saying hello to my my mom and my aunt right now because they're the, <laughs> yeah, the audience. Right. Say hi to my wife. Say hi to a couple <laughs> friends of mine that'll listen from time to time, and that's it. You know, we we do a little bit better, like you do. We talked about this before we come on. You know, when we do these live versions, I like it just because I just think it's more real and and authentic. But you know, it tends to do okay on that. You know, after or later on down the road, which is you yeah. know, which you get a little bit of of personal satisfaction from it that somebody cares out there. So that's right. That's right. So you asked about Finlocker. Yes. Um, so uh, we're a B2B to C uh, technology software company. Okay. Um, and we today, you know, focus almost exclusively on real estate and real estate finance mm -hmm. as, as a vertical. Mm -hmm. And our typical client is a lender, you know, IMB mortgage broker, bank or credit union, you know, in focused on uh, on mortgage as a as an outcome or an objective. What what we built is um, I'll describe it this way: we're like the mashup of Mint.com meets Credit Karma meets Rocket Money meets Zillow. If you want to think about those individual piece parts that yeah. consumers go to those tools for, so okay. you go to Mint for budgeting and goal setting and. They go to Rocket Money to understand their spending. They go to Credit Karma to check and monitor their credit and improve their credit. And of course, we know they go to Zillow for real estate search. We have engineered the experience to bring those features together in one app. Mm -hmm. um, and then our secret sauce um, is that on top of those features, those, those functions or features, those tools, if you will, we built an experience for the consumer who's typically in the early journey of home buying. Another, okay. way to say it, another way to say it is early, young, first time home buyers uh, right. is a good example. Right. Um, everything do we they do- find you, Can they find you on their own as a consumer or do they have to, is it usually through through a bank or you know mortgage bank? Yeah, 99.9 .9 times it's it's through uh, one of our clients. We're, our business model is, is B2B2C, so we're a private white label solution. So. Gotcha. If we were working with, you know, Mike Mills, it would be your own branded version right. of the product right. that you would use as a tool to reach, engage, and assist consumers right. well up the funnel. 
it's a way to help mortgage professionals uh, bring people into their sphere, essentially, and then provide them with all the tools that otherwise they would have to go out to other websites, which again, you never want your clients leaving your sphere because then they find, you know, they can find others and, you know, you not that, hey, competition's good, but, you know, if you can uh, keep the eyeballs in one place, that's always a, a desired right. result. So, yeah. So, um, how did you get started? I know you've been in mortgage, you know, looking back at your history, you've been in, in it for a while. So yeah. what, uh, you know, not to make, make you sound old, we're all old here, but you know, how did you get started in mortgage? What brought you in there? And then how did you ultimately land to where you started your own company and, you know, got this stuff rolling? Yeah. So, um, 1991 is when I got into mortgage. It's also the year I graduated college and the year I got married. So, um, I, I tell this story of, of how I got into mortgage, which is not too different than how just about everybody else got into mortgage. Right. And the constant is none of us planned. To get right. You mortgage. just end up there. <laughs> so, so everybody me, has I, that story. Nobody's like, yeah. man, I really want to sell home loans one day. Like that's, yeah, exactly. nobody's, yeah. that's no child's dream. No. So it would have been like uh, late summer of 1991, you know, back from the honeymoon. I was working for a home builder more or less just as a laborer out of college. Mm -hmm. I was frankly, I was getting paid more than I would have gotten if I would have, you know, done an entry level job at the time. Yeah. And, uh, one, one Sunday at at the family dinner at my in-laws, my father-in-law kind of pulled me aside and said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, he, and he was self-employed. He's a self-employed, uh, entrepreneur. He's like, you're married and you married my daughter. And you need to get a job that has benefits. I'm like, what are benefits? I don't even know. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> like so I, quickly learned, I don't understand. What are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah. I just got married. I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so he explained what, you know, what that was code for, which is get her off my insurance. And yeah. so <laughs> yes. take over the bills, boy. Yeah. This is also pre LinkedIn. So I did what you did back then is I created a resume, printed, you know, dozens of copies and then did the drive around, you know, like a 10 mile radius from where we lived. And was the career it. builders and monster.coms around at that time? No, not there. I don't even know if there was a dot com at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, 91. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a little younger than you. I, I graduated in 97. So I was still yeah. uh, I think I was still yeah. in junior high then. But so, you know, after driving around and, and papering HR departments with my resume, and by the way, not caring what business it was, I just looked at yeah. The building and the, the sign in the building. I'm like, oh, that's a business. I'll go Need see it. J-O-B, man, whatever that looks yeah. like. Yep. So uh, one of the companies that, you know, called me back or responded or whatever was uh, a company called Fireman's Fund that uh, here in Michigan, and they're a mortgage company. Now, yeah. you wouldn't know that driving by the building. It was just a big red fireman's hat on the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is 91. The prevailing par rate was probably in the 10-ish handle somewhere around there. Yep. Um, and within a day of dropping my resume off, I got a call to come in the next day for an interview. And within two hours of the interview, I got a call back if I could start the next day and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But one question, what are the benefits? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I need a father told me to ask, what are the benefits? Do I get insurance? Uh, That's it. Exactly. So day one on, on the job, I was handed a stack of, uh, little little papers right with a name a phone number and a number with a percentage after it mm-hmm. so i didn't know i didn't understand what that meant yeah my job my job was to call pick up each of those papers call the the person and say i see you're at 12.5 percent 
if you could get 10% today, would, would you be interested? And if they said yes, I put it to the right. If they said no, I threw it away. Yeah. So I was I was like lead gen uh, for a loan officer, a group of loan officers that were doing kind of a portfolio refinance retention strategy. Right. right. And that was day one. Oh, um, they had you in the trenches right out of the gate. That was it. And that was it. So no, you know, pre-licensing, you didn't really, and I wasn't doing, I was not originating that, that at first, yeah. but within 60 days of being there, we had kind of the first, you know, precipitous drop in rates that the, the 10 and a half prior became like eight and a quarter, eight and a half. So enough of a drop where business booming shit starting to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a, uh, you know, 60 days on the job, um, one of the more tenured uh, folks at that point. <laughs> and so I got promoted from, you know, the call guy to the loan guy. And right. then three months later, the loan guy became the team lead guy. And it just, it, it just grew from there. And so um, I originated managed originators for my first uh, five or six years in the business. Okay. And then moved um, same company moved into the third party origination side, um, which is where I spent, bulk of my 30 years in mortgage is managing um, AEs uh, across correspondent and wholesale lending channels. Right. right. Um, most recently, I was at Flagstar Bank, mm -hmm. where I ran the TPO division, which is where I, I learned and, and got to know a lot about what was going on at Finlocker at the time. Um, so I invested in Finlocker, kind of liked the vision that they were pursuing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I've been here now for four years as president and chief operating officer and, and one of the investors. Um, and, uh, I get to leverage my 30 years of not just experience, but relationships, yeah. uh, in, in this business. So it's been a, it's been a pretty seamless transition, but it's happens at a very interesting time. You know, COVID wasn't our friend and post COVID hasn't been our friend either. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it's, uh, the weird thing, you know, and everybody knows, um, that's experienced this market is, you know, it went from, you know, one of, uh, one that was, I mean, pr I guess you could say prior to coronavirus, you know, it was fine, right. It, it was busy. There wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but it was just, you know, it wasn't slow. It was, it right. was an average, you know, everybody was kind of humming along. And then, and the coronavirus hits. And then for the first, well, probably four or five months, we all wondered if we were going to ever sell another house or do another yeah. loan again. Right. And then it just exploded. Right. And then it's the busiest any of us have ever been. And, you know, I, I'm sure you, you recognize this too at the time. And I, I've only been in the business now about 12, 13 years, but, um, but, you know, you see that kind of situation occur. And I knew at that point, I was like, Hey, this is awesome. This is great. This is like winning the lottery. Yeah. But this is not going to be forever. Okay. Right. This is not sustainable. This will not continue. So even with my wife, I was like, we're, we got to save our pennies because, you know, there's going to be a turn in the other direction. Um, you know, and I'd have been in the business long enough to see not quite the highs and lows that we're experiencing now, but still the market peaks and then the market falls and then the market yep. peaks and then the market falls. And that's just, that's the cyclical nature of what real estate is depending on other market conditions. But, um, you know, you've, been through a lot of those turns, especially, you know, I wasn't even really in the business prior to 2008 and then yeah. the build up to that and then the fall off. But can you speak to the the similarities between what happened then and what happened now? And I know, you know, it drives me crazy because, you know, I'm sure you experienced this coming into this. If you go on the internet, go on YouTube, everybody's like, the housing market's going to crash. It's going to mm -hmm. crash, going to crash. And, you know, I call that recency bias only because mm -hmm. the most recent 
downturn that we experienced was because of housing specifically and that's why yeah. it occurred but this has nothing to do with that and you know it's related of course and it's adjacent but it certainly was not the cause so what have you seen just experiencing both of those yeah one one thing that's interesting and i i happened to through the crisis i happened to be i was impacted from an employment perspective because i was employed by one of the banks that wasn't too big to fail yes um, so they let us fail then you failed yes <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I, I, I have a different perspective, um, because I lived through not only the, the, the horror of the crisis itself, but then the, the repercussions, the, the, real, the real impact of, of employment being yeah. ceased. Right? So, yeah. you know, to me, the biggest, there's a couple of differences. One is, um, that, you know, the 2007 through nine or 10 or however long it lasted, it was a, you saw it coming, you know in late 06 early 07 it was ha it was starting to happen because it, it it started with products starting to go away right the right. risky products started to get cut and go away and then everything seized up so it was happening over you know 16 18 24 months so being in the business you actually could see it maybe people from the outside didn't see it but if you were yeah. in the business doing it you could get that your the vibe was changing is what you're saying totally totally okay. especially especially if you were in the space that was mostly impacted early which was i was which is the alte yes. product space right this cycle hasn't had that kind of long buildup right it actually had the opposite <laughs> it just happened overnight yeah, yeah. And, and one could argue, you and I talked a little bit about this before we went live, but, you know, our industry, the mortgage industry specifically, was ripe for consolidation and COVID and the pandemic and all of the regular, you know, all of the programs that, that came about really bailed out the industry again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what's happening today from an industry perspective with, with you know, consolidation and, and loan officers leaving the business and realtors leaving the business is, is something that was due to happen. Yeah. Um, and frankly, those of us that, that survive it. And, and by the way, guys like you and I, we talked about this as well before we went live, we tend to be more optimistic and more positive and, yeah. and think about opportunities versus gloom and doom and woe is me. Yeah. Uh, it has to be. If you wake up and, and, and it's all about, you know, you know, you're Eeyore walking around, you know, complaining about everything. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get what you, you what That's you're exactly asking. Right. Yep. Uh, so is what you make it. I actually, I, I, I believe that our industry needed to kind of have a, a, a culling and it's, and it's happening. I do believe that um, people are always going to buy and sell houses. It's what it's just, it happens no matter yep. what, it's just a matter of it, at what level, at what scale. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be another, you know, there'll be another quote unquote boom or boom lit that happens. Yep. And companies that are using today to prepare for tomorrow are going to be the winners. Yeah. And so, you know, it's happening. I'm talking to people that are literally investing, maybe not a lot of dollars, but a lot of energy into how to be prepared for this business and the next generation home buyer and home financer. Yeah, that's the thing that, um, you know, when you look across the industry as a whole, you know, there's a couple different type of people that exist, right? You have the doom and glooms, people that are sad. And, and you know, I understand the sentiment, but at the end of the day, you know, if that's going to be your mentality all the way through, you're, you're not going to last very long. And, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. Maybe you weren't meant for it. You know, that's what it is. Um, 
then you have people that are in a little bit of, you know, scramble panic mode that, you know, cause we, we were, we were in the, the, the land of, of plenty, right? There was plenty of business to be had to the point almost. And we experienced this in our company where all of your, you know, day-to-day uh, managing of your marketing and your pipeline and developing processes and, you know, solidifying your business better all kind of went away for a little while because you were just in triage mode. The phone's ringing, you know, it sounds today like it's a, that'd be a great problem to have, but, um, but the phone's ringing, people are calling, you're trying to work up loan quotes, you know, you're trying to put everything together that you can, you're talking to clients, working through files, you're even building teams more and more mm-hmm. because now I need a assistant to help with this because so much volume is coming in. And it was a great place to be, um, but we got away from the the core tenets of you know managing your business, managing your marketing pipeline, making sure that you stay connected with your agents, because all of that stuff was just you know you're, like I said, you're in triage, you're just trying to come and go. And what the slowdown has happened, or what has happened with the slowdown, I should say, is that um, you've done one of two things: you've either gone into sad mode and trying to figure out another job, and you know, or another company, because obviously. If I'm not doing enough business, it's not my fault. It's my company's right. fault. So I'm going to go somewhere else, right? Or um, you've you said, okay, you know, I'm in a place where I'm going to continue to try to got to got to feed the family and do the, the the activities to try to get the business in. But now I have a little more space for planning, right? I have a little more space to what is the market going to look like when it does turn around, and how do I position myself in a place to where I'm going to be the person that people pick up the phone and call when they're looking to buy or sell or refinance or whatever the case may be. And, and the people that are working right now to put those things into place and coming up with the processes and systems that are going to allow for you to handle that volume, I think are the ones that are ultimately going to position themselves in the market um, in a place where they're going to be able to take advantage of it when it hits. And the person that's just sad all the time right now, but somehow manages to make it through, they're not going to be able, they're going to be right back in that triage mode again and not be able to handle it. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. The other, the other thing I would add to that, that I'm seeing, which is super cool. And it's, I think it was the, 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 uh, the reason we were going to get together and talk today was I'm seeing because people aren't inundated with, you know, fat pipelines and, and, you know, tons of, of applicants and, and all the stuff that goes with this, you have the best loan officers now, are able to uh, play an additional role and resource in their communities. Yes, and that's that's delivering financial education and financial literacy, um, still with a focus on on home ownership. You know, yeah. building family wealth through home ownership. But um, that's really been kind of where I'm I'm getting excited these days is watching a lot of um, a lot of loan officers really embrace this this local source of financial education for their communities. So where are you seeing from your company's point of view, um, the, 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 the loan officers and the, the banks that are really having success with this and success is measured in a lot of different ways. So yep. it's very difficult to say exactly what that means, but, um, but what are you seeing the ones that you feel like are having success? What are they, where are they focusing their efforts? What is it that they're doing when it comes to the education of the consumer, when it comes to putting out, you know, information so people can take it in and, and see them as a resource, where are you seeing the success occur in, in that kind of space? So uh, probably the most obvious place to see it is just what you and I are doing right now. We're, right. we're, we're having a conversation. We happen to be recording it and it's going to, it's, it's live to millions of people internationally as we speak. Uh, yes, millions, <laughs> millions upon millions. You know, I call it t- tens upon tens. That's what. I- <laughs> but it'll live on 
as we, you know, it'll live on on your your podcast channels and it'll live on in this LinkedIn post. And and so the power of, of social media will put make this available for other people to watch and hopefully learn from. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing is loan officers kind of just taking, you know, picking up their camera or their phone as it may be, mm-hmm. turning it around and talking into it. And and so a loan officer that's, you know, has 5, 10, 15, 20, or 30 years of experience can now take that experience, take real life examples of people that they've talked to and helped and coached through situations and start to educate at scale using tools that they walk around with all day long, like their phone and their social media handle. So I'm I'm seeing social media as kind of the, the number one place that loan officers, and, and, and this is really interesting because this is also a, a place in time where I'm seeing there's more, there's as much or more value in the personal brand of the loan officer as there is in their in the shingle that they've hung their license at, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't want. I'm not discounting. The no, no, no. That's well. People buy from people. They don't buy from <laughs> at least in this because real estate's a personal transaction. It's not a B two B transaction. So it's very personal. So the right. person that you're going to use to represent you in the as the realtor, the person that you're going to use to do your loan, better be somebody that you feel comfortable with and that you have a relationship with to some on some level, right? right. Or or else you're not going to work with them because it's not like you know people buy Nike because Nike has a billion dollar ad campaign and it looks cool and it's a it's a shoe that you wear but it doesn't impact anybody other than you so you're not necessarily buying from the sneaker guy down the street you're just buying nike because you want nike um but your house is where you house your family it's a big financial decision (laughs) it's a it's a decision shrouded in like i said in the beginning it's not i hate to it's not mysterious like there's nothing that is it's really quite simple when you boil it down but which same topic we're here, the, the education of the consumer of understanding what it is and how it works. There's such a big gap and it's, it's, it's always surprising to us as people in the industry. But I also tell when I bring on new loans, so look, look, we do this every day, right? This is our job. We see it every single day. We know what we're doing. We've been through the ups and downs of it. If you're coming in to buy a house, you're going to do this three or four times in your life at the most, right? Your standard home buyer, that's not an investor or whatever. So it's always a new experience for them every single time. So what are you seeing as far as like the education gaps? And I'm sure you guys keep data on this to some extent when you look at what people are searching for on your platform, budgeting and everything. Where are you seeing the biggest disconnect between reality and what the consumer thinks when it comes to buying a house? Yeah, so there's some obvious ones and we see this a lot, right? There's still, which is shocking to me, there's still a a misnomer that you have to have 20% down to to buy a home. That's always crazy to me. I still uh, hear that all the time. And I'm like, still? Really? Still? But the first home I bought was 1993. And even then I knew, well, of course I was in the business two years by then. But, you know, I think I did my first loan was 10% down with with private mortgage insurance, right? Right. So so anyway, it's, you know, it's it's things like that. It's it's the, you know, the tried and true, uh, you know, 2836 ratios is another one that there, there's just some old, for whatever reason, there's these old kind of um, truisms that, that are that are out there. And I think part of the issue is there, there's just not, if you think about personal finance as a curriculum, it's not taught in high schools. It's, nope. it's not even taught really 
as a college course for people not required. No, you can take those classes yeah. and learn it, but you don't, it's not a, it's not a core curriculum class. No. And then, and, and then if you think about where most, most consumers, where most consumers get their financial advice from parents is family, parents, and now the or, internet, but yeah. in the internet and, yeah. or if you're lucky enough, if you have enough assets to, to make, uh, to make this worthwhile for somebody from a financial plan. Yeah. So the average first time home buyer, let's just say, you know, somewhere, someone between 24 and 30 years old, we'll just block them out that way. They, they, most of them don't have enough assets yet to get on the radar of a financial planner. So they're, they're not going to have the luxury of an advisor. And so I, my belief is that for, for first time, for aspiring first time home buyers, one of the best resources for financial education is a loan officer. Yeah. Because if if you're 22, 23, 24 years old, you there's probably some thought in your head that someday somewhere I'm going to own buy and own a home. Yeah. But if you're if you're screwing things up when you're 22, 23 years old, you're just you're you're going to make it that much more difficult. And so I think loan officers today what I again what I'm seeing is they're trying they're finding ways to leverage themselves through social um, our product tends to help a little bit because it's this younger generation wants, they want a tool, they want something that's on their phone 24 seven, 365 that they can access. So, yep. you know, digital financial tools are important. Um, but the loan officer can, can play that really interesting role early in a consumer's financial life. Uh, but they have to change their mindset. But mm-hmm. the typical loan officer, and I hate saying typical or, you know, generically, you know, whatever, but a lot of loan officers are very transactional in nature because you know we eat what we kill right yep um and what i'm seeing is is loan officers and lenders start to support loan officers to help them think longer term and Mm -hmm. and not be intimidated by potentially having somebody in your nurturing pipeline for 18 months before they're ready yeah Um, i I argue that they're going to get ready somewhere yes you know just because they're not talking to you doesn't mean they're not going to be talking to somebody else so you they might as well be talking to you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you've just spent 18 months with them, whether it's mostly digital or however that's happened, you've built trust, you've built a relationship. Doesn't mean you, you're you going to get the deal when they're ready, but you at least earn the right to be in the conversation when they're ready. Yeah. Well, and also too, you know, this is the, the thing that, you know, I think realtors and loan officers lose sight of to some extent is that one person is not one transaction, right? Right. One person could be a hundred transactions because Mm -hmm. they have a brother, they have a sister, they have a child, they have a parent, they have a best friend, they have their baseball coach. They have all of this, their sphere of people. And so like, I am a big, you know, preacher of treat every person like a human, like just don't treat them like a transaction, (laughs) treat them like a person that you would talk to on the street because or a, or a friend or a family member or whatever, and, and, and be always in the position of trying to help with whatever it is that they need. You know, it could be just, you know, I, I tell agents that we work with that it's so important for them to be the resource for all things related to real estate. Okay. If somebody calls and says they have a question about their roof, right? If you pick up the phone and call your realtor and say, Hey, we just had a hailstorm. Do I need to get my roof replaced? Well, if your immediate response as the agent is to say, I'm not a roofer, I don't know anything about roofing, call this guy, right? Well, then the next time that person calls you and says, Hey, 
Um, you know, I was thinking about refinancing my house. I heard rates got a little bit lower. You know, sh is this a good time to do that? And the realtor's like, I'm not a mortgage person. Here's call this person, do whatever. Well, if you do that enough times, what eventually happens is that person that was calling you for their questions, they stop calling because yeah. you're just kicking them off to somebody else. Right. And, and I always say the flip of that is someone calls you and says, Hey, I have a question about, is this a good time to refinance? Right. And then my, what I tell my agents is like, you know, take that call and say, Hey, look, I'm right in the middle of something. Give me like 10 minutes and I'll call you back and let me finish. Let me wrap this up. And then they pick up the phone and call me and go, Hey, my client is asking about this, this, or this, what should I tell them? And then I'm going to give them some information, right? I'm not, I can't explain all of it, you know, in five minutes, nor can they, but, uh, but then they can turn around and pick up the phone, call that client back and go, you know, sorry about that. I was tied up, but here's from my understanding, this is the time, you know, if the rates have changed this much, you look at how much the cost you versus, you know, what the savings are, et cetera. And that's it. And then if the questioning continues, then you can say, you know, now we're getting a little bit out of my depth. Yeah. Let me let you talk to this person over here. But what you've done in that circumstance is you've solidified to your client that you're the person to call with all things related to their home, right? Which is what you want to be. Then you've also because you have valuable partners that you can pick up the phone and call without expecting them to get a transaction and you can ask questions. Well, now you've added to your knowledge base. So mm -hmm. now you understand mortgages a little better. You understand roofing a little better. You understand insurance a little better. So now you truly are building this world where you're the expert on all things related to real estate within your sphere, right? And as loan officers, we, we have to be the same thing. And so if your agent calls you and asks you a question on a deal that they're working on with, that they're the listing agent on for the buyers, you know, realtors saying this and the lenders saying that, you know, answer your phone, talk to them, explain to them what's going mm -hmm. on, because our job is to educate them on the process of doing the loan just as much as it is to educate the buyer, you know, and, and when you, when you operate with a transactional mindset where everything's about, well, how, what am I getting out of this? Mm -hmm. Right. Then you're doomed for failure. And right. you have to look at each conversation and each person as an opportunity to solidify a relationship a little bit more, help them out because that's what good human beings do. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully the way the, you know, everything works out, it tends to come back. Would you, would you agree with that? I, I agree. And I, you know, not to talk about karma, but you know, it's, if you do enough good, yes, you will, you will get your share of good back. It just, yeah. it, it's, it is what it, it's the it's the, it's the the law of the universe, right? Yeah, call it the and, law of the universe. Call it karma. Call it God. Call it yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like you can, it, it that's just it seems to, that's how it works. And if you've experienced that in your life, you you know that hey, if I just keep trying to do the best I can do, then yeah. you know it's going to work out. So that that's kind of what I'm seeing. You know, I, I like to think about what I'm seeing, what I'm watching loan officers today, and I'm I'm studying like 200 loan officers on social. Mm -hmm. Some, some have been there and doing it for a while. They have thousands of followers. Some are just getting started. They have tens of tens, as you said. Right. <laughs> um, but what's cool is if you ignore the number of followers, the, 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 the good ones, you can't tell the difference, right. whether they have thousands or tens of tens. And, and they're not on social, you know, saying apply now, here's right. my rate. Right. They're truly, they're truly giving value to, the community, yes, and I'll call it the digital community, but it's the community, their community, yeah, and they're and they're not expecting a deal to come from that, right? Um, but they will get it. They will win. It just may it, it takes may not happen today. It yeah, may it's be, a long term strategy. 
Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. And, you know, we were on a call with my company the other day and we have shareholder calls where we talk about the business and everybody's, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, you know, I do a fair amount of social media stuff. And so I get, mm -hmm. we'll get questions like, well, how's that working for you? And I, and I would tell them like, look, I can't translate this into like, oh, I got this deal from that, or I got this deal from that, because that's not really the point. The point is, is that what I do when I do that is I try to become the the point of reference that someone goes to when they want to know something related to money, right? right. Or the economy or finance or whatever, because that's what I do. So that's what I'm trying to create because the idea is that you're not trying to, again, it's transactional versus relational, right? If I'm looking for transactions, then I'm giving out my phone number. I'm telling them to call me today because I've got the lowest rates and mm -hmm. you know why you need to buy a house tomorrow and, and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm trying to be more relational, then I'm providing information. I'm providing education. I'm providing whatever you want to call it so that that person exists in my world in some form or fashion, right? Mm -hmm. I exist in their world and they exist in mine and those worlds intersect. Well, not only do I intersect with them, but I also intersect with everybody else that they're associated to. And as you start to build an audience and, and I don't like that word because I don't know. Um, do you know who Gary V is? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I love him in that he's got a lot of great, you know, uh, ideas and concepts about how things work. Um, you know, he's on the extreme side of things, which, you mm -hmm. know, I don't always jive with hundred percent, but one of the things that he talks about is building an audience. He's like, when you build an audience, there's so many things that can happen from that, right? Whether it be your business or, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities that create themselves when you become aware or in the, the awareness of people. And yeah. so if you start with, Hey, here's what I know about mortgages. Here's what I know about how your down payment works. Here's what I know about, you know, what interest rates are and how they impact your payment, how much money you need and all the education of what it takes to go through the process of doing a loan. And then that morphs into, Hey, here's what's happening in the real estate market. Here's what's happening in the economy as a whole. And all those things, those give you eyeballs. And then those eyeballs turn into transactions. Yes in ways that you can't even imagine, but it doesn't happen in a day. It takes no, time. No. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. So what are you seeing as far as like people's frustration and they're trying to create the education, they're trying to put it out there, but you know, maybe if their patience isn't there, or they don't understand what it is. What, what are y'all doing to combat that? Yeah. I mean, what I'm doing is having these conversations with you on these channels and just trying to do my part to right. educate because because I'm a good example of this, um, you know, Finlocker, we're a pretty small company. We're, you know, still kind of scrapping our way uh, yeah. through things. So I don't have a massive marketing budget and a massive marketing team. So about eight, six or eight months ago, and I've always been on LinkedIn, but wasn't as active as I have been in, in, in you know, the last half a year. Yeah. But I, 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 I was challenged by a friend and uh, he said, just commit to one, you know, one video a week on LinkedIn, kind of stay on topic, but one, one a week. And I did that. It was like leading into before the holidays, early last December. And I'm like, I did it for like three weeks. I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. Now, the first two times I did it, took me two hours for each video. It had yeah. to be perfect. Right. It's stupid. It's the dumbest and they probably thing will still, if you go back and look at them, they're like, they're still it's terrible. Awesome. What was I doing? Terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, over the, uh, the holiday between Christmas and New Year's, had a, you know, it was quiet. And I'm like, what if I started to do two or three a week? And so I spent that week and created, you know, like 10 unique, you know, short 30 second, you know, videos. Yeah. Um, and I accidentally discovered that you could schedule your stuff on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah. whoa, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And so that 
that week I scheduled like the next two weeks out, right? Six posts every other day or whatever it was. And then slowly, and this is not, again, it didn't happen overnight. Slowly, the, the, the views were growing and the engagement was growing. And then confidence was growing. I felt more comfortable, you know. Um, and so then I was like, well, what if I just, what if I did one, one a day? That's kind of getting out there. Well, fast forward to today. I, I have four posts every day on LinkedIn. Not all of them are, are you know, uh, brand new. Right. Uh, at least four a week that are, you know, new video content. But I have my podcast. And you and I were talking about this before we went live. My podcast creates, every every episode I record creates 10 pieces of, 10 clips that I can yep. use. Um, my content. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I'm, you know, getting smarter as I go. But one of the byproducts of this is being super comfortable having these conversations. Yes. Today it's like not no no anxiety going live with you. Right. Six months ago I'd have been freaking out and right. <laughs> um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the Ed Grimley hair going and uh, yeah. you know. Hey, well at least you got so, some. I got the other side <laughs> of that. So so you know I think it's 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 made me a better um, public speaker and and private speaker, yeah. be, just having these these conversations, a lot of times having it with myself and my phone. Um, but what's happening is we're, you know, in my business, I'm I'm doing the conference scene and and you know doing the booth thing at at, at conferences and exhibit halls and whatnot. Yep. And people are now coming up and and They're like, hey, I saw you. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah. I know you. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't even know you, but yeah. There's there's that and. I think loan officers have the same opportunity in their communities. Mm-hmm. And I, I say communities generically because it's not it's not the old school. This is my neighborhood where I'm going to do loans. Right. When you when you start to commit to educating at scale and using tools like social, your community is going to get yes. a little bit wider. And guess what? You're also going to interact with people that maybe you can't transact with from a regulatory perspective. And now all of a sudden you have the opportunity to make an introduction potentially to somebody else and build your network that way. There's just so much power. Well, go ahead. I'm going to add one thing. You you had a guest on uh, a a few weeks back, maybe a month back, Allie, Allie Mm -hmm. Cardi. And if people aren't following Allie, they need to, because her generation is the next generation home buyer. And she's got her finger on the pulse of that generation and yeah uh, a because that's her that's who she is she's 24 25 years old she's yep. right in it um, but she's also committed in that it to, to better understand and help bridge the gap between her generation and folks like us in our cohorts um, and she's just doing a great job of, of I've learned so much from her in the last few months on how that generation expects to to learn yes and they want to learn on their own first Yes. And guess what? If you're creating content, educational content on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you're talking to people, but they're going to consume it at when they want to consume it in, in their own environment at their own time. Yep. Um, and, and they also, again, they want digital, they want tools at their fingertips when they want to use them. Yeah. But they also want to be able to pick up the phone and talk to Mike Mills when they have a question that they're just not finding the answer to. So they want both. They want the tech and they want the touch. Yes. And I think that's why I think loan officers are so uniquely positioned uh, for the, for the, this next generation home buyer to really be a value, valuable resource. 
Well, the problem I think that loan officers have in realtors too <clears throat> is when they look at social media and the education aspect of providing videos and whatever, there's a couple of things that come up. Number one is they're like, well, so-and-so is already doing it. And how am I ever going to impact on that side? Because they do it better than me and I'm terrible, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. Then the other part is, is there's this, um, and I think it's perpetuated a little bit by the media and by, you know, uh, what we see on TV every day. There's this idea that you're going to be, you know, Jake Paul, or you're going to be, yeah. You know, this, the, the, the goal is to be this massive influencer that, you know, pro, uh, shells products and all this kind of stuff. And what people lose the sight of is there's 320 million people in the United States. Okay. <laughs> and they're all very different. Okay. And there's all these little pockets of, of unique ideals and unique, you know, whatever. And so if you can't find your niche in that, then you're not trying because mm -hmm. there are so many people in this world that think the way that you think, that look the way that you do, that believe what you believe. And if you can start finding that audience and educating to those people, you don't need 5 million followers or 2 million followers. There's a, I use this guy, um, uh, as an example all the time on YouTube, um, his, his, his channel's called uh, clear, real clear value tax, right? He's a, he's a CPA. He's out of California. Uh, he lives in San Francisco, I think. And, um, he's as dry and boring as you could possibly like my kids come in and watch me watching. Cause I'll watch it on my TV instead of, you know, my phone. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching TV. I'm watching YouTube on my TV. Okay. I paid for this big ass TV. <laughs> I'm right, watching right. up there. I'm not watching it on my phone, but they see just this guy in a white, you know, Oxford shirt with a blue tie holding pieces of paper and kind of, he's not reading, but he's just kind of, here's what happened here. And he'll every once in a while, I'll be like, look, I told you this was going to happen. And if I'm sorry, if you didn't listen, you know, right. tell me what you think, but I tried to warn you. Okay. on to the next thing, you know? And, <laughs> and, but his, his information and his content is so good. And what I pick up after seeing the first four, I was like, I watch every single video he puts out and he puts out probably three or four, a week, uh, maybe two a week. Okay. Yeah. Depending on the market news and everything that's happening. And it's from housing. It's from uh, uh, stock picks, crypto. I mean, everything you can imagine related to finance, right? Well, he has a Patreon page. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a website that you can publish content on that people can pay in order to see that content right now, his gimmick, and this is why it doesn't, I'm not suggesting people do this, but it's he's, he's tax or excuse me, stock picks. So here's my stock pick for this. Here's my crypto. And it's not even like the guy, here's the hot pick. He's like, no, we're, we're doing an options call on this one. You know, it gets real into the weeds about what right. it is. Um, but he charges, $7 or $15 a month to access the content, depending on what level you want, right? For his $15 a month service. Okay. He's got 2,500 people. Cause you can see on Patreon what that is, how much that costs. Okay. Well, if you do the math 25, which my, my calculator is 25 time, or excuse me, 15 times 2,500. Okay. That's $37,000 a week or excuse me, a month. <laughs> That, yeah. that dude's bringing in just from his Patreon page, not from his YouTube channel, not from all the other stuff that is business. That's just from his Patreon page. So my point of that is, is that you don't need 20 million people to grow right. your business. You can do it with a thousand, 500, 150, what, whatever, but you have to be in front of people as often as you can. And it's a long-term game. It's not a short-term thing. And it has to give value, which is where the education piece comes into play, right? And I think it, and I think it has to be authentic. Yes, and we hear that we hear that a lot, and people yeah. are like, "Okay, I get it. It has to be authentic." But I, I, I'm still amazed that I, I see a lot of posts. Again, I study a lot of loan officers on social, 
And I still see, I could tell when one of the big wholesale lenders drops their, their content on a Monday morning. Right. Cause all the, the memes come out and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is the, the authentic. The uh, infograph. Post. It's all the yeah. same posts. Yeah. And those aren't, those aren't working. They're not hurting you, but they're not yeah. helping you. The thing that's going to help you is, this is my belief is get your face and your voice on camera in front of people and share your knowledge. That's yeah. what's going to be, it's going to be authentic. And don't try to be some somebody you're not, none of us can be Gary Vee. He's got that kind of cornered. Let him be Gary Vee. Yeah. We all can exist and, and be ourselves and add a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the key is, is, is whatever you're doing, it has, like you said, it has to be authentic and it has to provide some level of value to somebody watching it. Right. Yeah. They have to get something from it. And you standing there saying that, see, that's how I know. That's how I know the, the market lately is, you know, last couple in, in August, by the way, any realtors and mortgage people out there, if you don't know, August is never a great month. Okay. <laughs> because People are going back to school. All right. P people are coming back from vacation. August is the month where everybody's getting ready to get into this, the, the fall and the school year and everything else. Right. So if your phone isn't ringing as much as it has been, even though it's been less the last couple of weeks, that's why. So don't panic. It's going to be okay. It always turns around. But, um, but whatever you're providing to people and the information that you're putting out, it has to have something that has value to them. And if it's, if it's just, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to serve you the best and communicate amazingly. And you need to use me. That's just a commercial for your business. Yeah. That's all that is. And right. I mean, the, our entire side, our entire civilization has tried to figure out how to get around to commercials since yeah. they started. Right. I mean, <laughs> we went from, you know, late night television or, you know, what a, the three channels and everything was a commercial about how to, how cigarettes were healthy for you and how yeah, you yeah, should yeah. eat this cereal with 800 pounds of sugar in it to, all right, well now we're doing streaming. So there's no commercials and now you're paying for it. I'm okay to pay for it. I just don't want commercials. And right. then now the streaming goes up and they're like, Oh, and Hey, by the way, there's commercials in here. And then we go to mm -hmm. online and we're like, all right, now we're going to go to YouTube. YouTube because now I don't have to watch. Nobody wants to see your commercial. Okay. Right. <laughs> they, they don't. What they want to see is they want to see you. They want to see what you think. They want to see what you know. They want to know what you can provide to them to help them make an educated decision on what they're trying to do. And, and, you know, if they should buy a house, if they shouldn't, and if they feel like you're selling them or they feel like you're not being genuine with them, they're going to keep swiping. And that's what, that's the way it works. And I think Allie and your on your show together, she hammered that home specifically for yes. Gen Z. Yep. They do not want to be sold. No, they won't be sold. They will no. not be sold. They they'll sniff it out and they're just going to, they're, they're going to go, they're going to, they're going to keep going till they, till they find what they're looking for. And, so I'm uh, curious, what do you think <laughs> being in it for so long? Why do you think there has like, <laughs> what is it about our system that has not provided the education on a financial level that, that, kids and adults. I mean, it's just, it really is. It's probably one of the lowest, you know, if you, if you want to call it financial IQ, I would say people's financial IQ is probably, you know, on the lower end of all other things that people know about, you know what I mean? And, and it's, yeah. it's mind boggling to me why that's, why there's such a disconnect. What do you, what do you think? It's, it's a great question. It's, it's one that I haven't really thought about in terms of how did we get here and why are we here? Because it's actually doesn't make any sense when you, when you think about how much information is available to each of us as consumers yeah. on our own finances at our fingertips, mm -hmm. right? There's dozens, if not hundreds of apps that you can go get your credit score from, right? Yep. Um, you got, we already talked about the, the 
the, the ability to see your finances on your, your banking app and on platforms like Mint and others. So yeah. it's not for lack of tools. Um, I just, I, I've never, I've never seen in any kind of formal education, uh, any preparation around what is, what does it look like when you're 30 years old and you're buying your first home? Mm-hmm. I just, there's never been any conversations around that. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, those conversations weren't happening in the house I grew up in. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Wasn't going on. I figured it out on my own and still figured yeah. it out. <laughs> and, and sadly, as I think back, you know, my, my kids are 29, 27 and 25 and two of the three are now homeowners, but we weren't really having those conversations mainly because I was, I didn't want to talk about that stuff after six o'clock. Cause I did. That's what I did all day long. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think there's a certain amount of, you know, I, I've tried this with my kids because I I'm, if you were to ask my kids, they probably would tell me that I talk too damn much. They're like, can you please shut up and stop telling us things? I would really appreciate it if you would stop, you know, but, but they don't want to, you know, it, they don't want to hear it really. Like yeah. they really don't, because if you're a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, you don't care. School is school and it sucks. And you don't want to be there. You don't care about the war of 1812. You don't care about, you know, calculus. You don't, all you want to do is hang out with your friends or maybe you're obsessed with a sport or whatever. That That's what children do. And that's why, yeah. I, ha- I have a whole problem with the whole school system as it is just in how we teach kids. It's like teaching them to be employees, but that's a whole other right. thing. But, but there, there isn't, you, it's not exciting, right? Money is not exciting until you get to an adult age and you realize, okay, wait a minute. Like I got to pay rent. I got to pay my utilities. I got to buy food. I got to pay gas because mom and dad may have been, because it's, it's ironic. The kids that have the least in, in many cases when they're growing up tend to be the best yeah. with their money when they get older because yeah. they come from a place of 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 famine and they know like right. no, no i'm not gonna do i gotta I got buckle down that's right. why i think the gen z when talking with ali and all that i believe that they're better equipped in a lot of cases to kind of get to a place where they understand this better because they went through with their parents or in their household that seven eight nine ten yeah where mom lost their job, dad lost his job, the retirement accounts, nothing. Dad's working in his seventies now because he lost all of that occurred while they were in that impressionable age. And so now they're getting out into the workforce and they're going, "Uh, -uh, I don't need the fancy car. I don't need the credit card. I don't need the nice clothes. You know, I can make it all work and and do what I want because I want to be, I want to have freedom. And and I think you see that more and more with that generation. Yeah, I, I I love that because it's such a vivid uh, vision for me because I, I think about like my grandparents were, you know, kind of the risk. They, they were growing up during the, the recession, right? Yeah. Um, not the Great Recession, the, the recession. Yeah, yeah, the depression, yeah. <laughs> and uh, depression rather. And yeah. um, and so they're, you know, didn't matter what how much money they made, they didn't spend anything. Ever. That's right. Yeah. Ever. They kept I mean, every piece of paper, every piece of tinfoil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. We always joke, my, my, my grand, grandpa, we always called him MacGyver because if, if, he, if something needed to be fixed, here comes a, a, a recycled piece of spearmint chewing gum wrapper that he was going yeah. to repurpose into something. That's right. That's right. But that was the mindset. And then, you know, my, his, his kids were like, I don't want to live like that. And so they went the other way. The other direction. Just, it's, it's amazing how that works. Well, you had the world of plenty in the eighties, right? The financial, you know, strings were off, banks were unregulated. I mean, we just went, we went crazy and, and that led to kind of where we are now. Yeah. So I, I I never answered the question because I just don't know how we got to where we are, but I do, I, I am a firm believer. We are where we are 
and we we know what the next generation home buyer who they are yeah and we're learning every day what's important to them and how they like to be communicated to and if you're if you're in this business and you plan on being in this business you know for the next five ten years you need to be paying attention today to that cohort and start thinking about how you can better communicate with them because if you don't crack that code you're done it's over yeah. i don't care you know what is the average age of a real estate agent some it's like north of 50. so that's yes. that train is that train's ending here soon yes you're not going to be getting referrals from them when they're 80. no what what are you seeing since you guys you know i mean it's uh uh fintech is your world so what are you starting to see that is newer um technologies that are coming online that companies are starting to adopt or maybe adopting in the near future when it comes to real estate you know in general mortgage what like <laughs> what kind of new things are you starting to see that's that you think is going to impact how we do things going forward? Yeah, I think we're we're not that far away from this concept where, you know, each of us is walking around with our, you know, financial thumbprint, DNA, QR code, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So we're probably inside of five years where, you know, today... Today we have point of sale, which is, you know, come a long way from the the, the paper 1003, right? Yes, yes. You know, to fill out and your I, you know, I broke loans on 1003, so I made uh -huh. deal. So the, the POS was like revolutionized, you know, mortgage origination. Well, it's gonna happen again. And the next revolution is gonna be I'm already walking around with my credit, my assets, my employment, and income all right here. Yep. Always live always connected. And Mike, when I'm ready to get my loan from you, it's not going to be an application anymore. It's no. going to be a facilitation. Right. Because I'm already going to know based on my own direct source data, what I qualify for, what I'm approved for. Yeah. Now I just have to share the data with you and do the docs. That's, yep. that's what's, that's what's right around the corner. And if, if we really want to think about the role of the loan officer, this is why I keep talking about education. That's the role. Yeah. The role isn't going to be facilitating the paperwork. Nope. It's going to be educating on the right the right product for that particular situation and circumstance. Well, and that's where, you know, I'm I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where my head is and has been for and really and truly is the reason why I really steered my business or my personal like marketing strategies into the social media and doing the podcast and everything is because do I think that people are going to stop buying and selling homes anytime in the near future? No, that's not going to happen. Do I think that people are just going to have loads of cash and be able to buy homes without getting a loan? No, that's not going to happen. You're going to need a loan to buy a home, you know, right. in the near future. What is going to happen is the process that it that you go through to get that loan and buy that home is going to change dramatically because of technology. Right. And the old days of, you know, uh, I, I'm the only guy that can do this for you or, you know, like I always love it when I hear other lenders say, I got his credit score up 70 points. And it's like everybody could have gotten his credit score up 70 points because we all know what it takes to do it because we all pay for the same service that you pay right. for. We all right. have the same information. OK, you didn't you, there was no magic wand that you waved to, to do that. It's already there. Right. <clears throat> but. The consumer doesn't really know that quite yet. Like, I mean, they know it to a certain extent, but they don't fully know it yet. It's going to become more and more evident as time goes on. And especially in a market like this, where there's such contraction yeah. that the efficient banks, the ones that have the least cost in order to get the loan from the consumer to the secondary market or whatever, 
those are the ones that are going to be successful. And if you have the technology and the tools in place to be able to do that at low cost, then you're going to, you're going to do well. That also comes to the value of the loan officer, right? Because mm -hmm. the value of the loan officer used to be to some extent, I know what this program, I looked this up, I can do it. I can tell, give the right information. I can do all that. Right. But now that's not really the case because technology will do that for you. Right. Now what you have to do, your job is to get people to trust you so they call you when they want to do their loan because they're going to have a lot of other options and nobody's really going to be doing it any differently than anyone yeah. else. So are you the person they trust or are you not? And you may not feel it today, right? Right now it's still kind of, there's this old school thing that's still kind of happening. But if you're not positioning yourself today to be in a place to be that person tomorrow, then you're going to have to find another thing to do. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's the reality. Yeah. And, and it's companies it's, like you guys that are giving those tools to people that they need to start embracing. And that, that's, what's exciting. That's why I, I'm really energized by what being at Finlocker and having these conversations. Cause I do believe a, the, the, the combination of the tools, the tech and the loan officer together is what makes the difference for the consumer. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's the combination. Mm -hmm. um, and it's getting validated every day by having these conversations. So it's yeah. like, we're, we're, it, it, we're inching closer to this reality. And for now, anyway, I think folks like Finlocker, we're on the, we're at least on the cutting edge of it. Um, and, and, and happy to, you know, con continue to advance these, these conversations. Yeah. Well, the, the human element's never going to go away. I, I don't feel like, especially with, again, back to where we started, this is a per real estate's a personal transaction. Um, your, your, it's the largest, largest, you know, investment most people will make in their life. It mm -hmm. is the largest purchase most people will make in their life. And um, you're not going to do that. And people have never felt comfortable doing that with a computer, right? No. There's always going to be a personal touch to it. Um, and I don't see that changing where the value of that personal touch is will change and what yes. you bring to the table. And if your skill set isn't one of you know, uh, education isn't one of communication, isn't one of being able to know ways to build your sphere and grow around it, then you're going to have a really tough uphill climb. And, and I hope that, you know, more and more people in our space start to realize that because there's plenty of business to go around for everybody. There, oh, yeah. There's not, there, it's not this feast or fame. I mean, it seems like that right now, but you know, whenever you grow, when, when the business triples overnight in the mark and the people doing the business have to triple overnight, right. there's going to be some contraction that's going to happen. And that's kind of what we're experiencing now. But, um, but in the long term, and if you're in this game for the long play and you're not just here to make a deal tomorrow, then these are the types of things that you have to focus on, I believe, if you're going to have success. And look, we could be wrong. Maybe we're stuck in this, you know, paper 1003, you know, doing my commercial on Facebook in 20 years and, and we're completely wrong. I don't think so, but but that's what it seems like. So, well, man, um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, we're already in an hour, so um, we're we're moved right through this thing really quickly. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to kind of leave people with before we go just as a, you know, especially from you guys, or, you know, obviously you, you do a great podcast, um, watch a couple episodes of that myself. Um, there's a lot of good people that you bring on that have good insight to stuff. And on top of people providing education to consumers, the other layer to that is you have to educate yourself every day yeah. on things like this. Yeah. So, uh, FinTech Fridays is the podcast. You could, I have a LinkedIn page for it. It's on YouTube channel. It's on Spotify and whatever. Um, 
there's also another cool thing that we launched uh, in May. It's called FinTalk. Okay. And FinTalk is a newsletter and it's targeted to loan officers. And I've, I've brought together uh, around 20 people from the industry who each has that kind of their own uh, skill set, education, and expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the objective of the newsletter is we put it, we publish it every Tuesday on email. I publish it every Thursday on LinkedIn. The goal of the newsletter is for a loan officer that subscribes and reads it to have at least one actionable takeaway, even if it's a cut and paste that they can then go and, and put on a post or, or weave into a conversation. We want to, our goal is to help loan officers be better financial educators of consumers in their community. So that the whole objective is to kind of raise the raise the bar for all of us on how we deliver financial education to uh, our communities and consumers who are in that home buying uh, journey. You're you're pulling away the barrier for someone that feels like they don't have anything to post. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There, there, there's that. There you yes. go. Yeah, you're giving them insight. So that's that's a valuable tool, especially based on you know, the importance of what we talked about today with education and everything, I don't think it could be understated. So, well, Brian, um, really appreciate your time, man. Um, thank you for popping on here with me a little, yeah. for a little bit. I uh, appreciate anybody that stuck around and watched this or listened to the end. If you're on Spotify or Apple, um, we'll be back next week, uh, doing another episode every Thursday, usually 12 or one. We had to vary a little bit today cause I had something come up. So I appreciate you being flexible with me, but, uh, everybody have a great week and, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks Mike. Thank you.